Hello and welcome to Nightcap with Jim. I'm the titular Jim, and tonight we have a new edition of Jim Goes to the Movies. So epic, we had to break it into two parts. You will be experiencing part one right now, which will include our rated R movies, Birds of Prey, Bad Boys for Life, and the new Netflix original, Spencer Confidential. More content you may enjoy, please check out our Morning Mongoly podcast and our other social media content at Mongoly Players across all the different social medias. You might also check out our newest Instagram pages. Uh, we haven't done anything just yet with them, but uh, you'll want to get the follow early on so that you're never missing out on the new exciting content we will be putting out on those channels. All right, let's get into it. Alright, welcome to part one of the epic new edition of Jim Goes to the Movies. Very excited about this. I decided to break it into two just because there's a lot of movies that I've seen and I just haven't gotten a chance to record. So, uh, kind of built up on me a little bit. Um, and I broke it apart into the rated R movies and the stuff that's a little bit more kid-friendly because there's some kid stuff um, in part two. Uh, but part one, we begin with Bad Boys for Life. Um... This one goes first because I saw it first out of these three movies, uh, but also because it's the one I was most excited about. Um, I am a huge, 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 huge fan of the Bad Boys franchise. Um, I pretty much grew up with it. They were uh, the, some of the first rated R movies uh, my parents let me see when I was a youngster, and I just adore uh, that duo of Martin Lawrence and Will Smith together. I think they're one of the best on-screen duos of all time. And uh, with the new latest edition of this franchise, I was certainly not let down. I'm not going to dive too far into it. I'm going to just do my typical Jim Goes to the Movies kind of thing about this because obviously we're going to be putting this in a Bad Boys episode. So let's just start off by saying, holy crap, what a great movie. You know, um... As I said, I'm a huge fan of the franchise. Uh, the thing is, though, with Michael Bay at the helm, you typically get um, a lot of really crazy explosions, and then they're like, oh, yeah, let's also do some story. Uh, these guys, though, um, this time around, were like, let's make a really, really good story, and then we're going to blow a bunch of stuff up. Um, and I got to tell you, with the Bad Boy franchise, both of these methods work extremely well. But uh, I do enjoy, you know, the emphasis on story and plot um, coming, uh, you know, more to the forefront than it has in, in, previous, in the previous films. Um, I re the reason I say that is partially because, one, bad, the first Bad Boys film, you know, um, was Michael Bay's first movie, and it got kind of thrown together, uh, and there was a bunch of, you know, kind of tumultuous production um, stuff that happened that, you know, was just kind of crazy, and then Bad Boys 2, you know, it's like something like 30 or 40 minutes of a of the movie is action sequences, so, you know, when you have a two, and a, two hour, 20 minute movie, and you got about 30, 40 minutes of action and stuff, um, you know, the emphasis is really on the action, obviously, um, but this time around, it was just so great you know, to have this really well-thought-out story um, that's not, you know, it's not crazy, it's not, comp it's not like, insanely complicated or anything. Um, it's a definitely a bad boys movie, 
Uh, and that's what the really great thing about it is, is these new directors, they did not come in and were like, you know, we're just going to change everything. Like, they made their movie, do not get me wrong, they put their stamp on it for sure, but it is a bad boy's movie. And that's the thing that is tough sometimes when you are when you switch directors um, in a franchise, especially when you're talking about a director who's so stylistic as Michael Bay is um, and has such a specific, a specific visual style is you can bring some new director in who's maybe, you know, they like to shoot in a different way or, you know, they have a different vibe and the movie can just be something completely different than what you're used to. A good example of this is the Fast and Furious franchise. You know, you started out with um, Rob Cohen, who did a really good job with the first movie. Then you had John Singleton, who's like, you know, he does he's more known for, you know, these kind of urban um, sort of uh, character dramas um, and things like that. So it's like John Singleton directing Fast and Furious. That's interesting. And it does have, you know, so it's a kind of jarring shift from the first movie to the second. And then even more crazy when Justin Lin came in for Tokyo Drift, you know, uh, and just completely changed the game and how the the franchise was... uh, portrayed visually um visual uh, you know the uh, and stylistically as well and it seems like the justin lynn incarnation is what has carried us through uh the franchise it's like he's the one who you know put his stamp on it and everybody you know has kind of fallen in line <laughs> in terms of that and and that can be a little jarring if you try to sit down and marathon these things, especially if you do it the proper way, which, you know, means that you don't watch Tokyo Drift until after you watched Furious 6. Uh, so, you know, to jump from um, Too Fast, Too Furious straight to Fast and Furious 4 uh, is, there's a huge stylistic and visual change. The great thing about Bad Boys is that is not happening. You know, like I said, it's tough. Because that it could just be like a completely different movie. But the great thing about these new directors is they did not do that at all. You know, they took Michael Bay's stuff, they took it on board, but they definitely made it their own. You know what I mean? As I said, there's a there's a much greater emphasis on story, which is awesome, and the action though is still amazing. You know, like Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, they still have it. And the best thing about the movie to me is that it doesn't feel like I've been waiting 20 years for this movie. You know what I mean? It feels like these two guys, and it doesn't feel like these two guys haven't done these, haven't played these characters for 20 years. It, it feels just like, bam, there's Mike Lowry and, and there's Marcus Burnett. You know what I mean? Like there they are. Um, they just, these two guys just slipped right back into it. Like, like they were just shooting on bad boys too. Yeah. You know, a couple of weeks ago or something like that you know what I mean and that is another thing that's ex- extraordinarily tough for for actors you know to kind of slip back into a role that they haven't played in 20 30 40 years um, you know a la Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker but the great ones they they can just slide right back in like it's like they never left and uh, and uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence certainly achieved that. Um, just as a little side note, it doesn't have anything to do with the movie, but one of my favorite things um, 
just internet-wise, was uh, a video that Will Smith posted on his social media of him and uh, Martin um, shooting at Tyler Perry Studios while Coming to America 2 was shooting. So they're outside Eddie Murphy's trailer, and and Will starts yelling, you know, Eddie, get out here! Eddie, you better get out here, man! And so, you know, you have all these amazing talents at this studio that just opened up and is already starting to you know, crank out product and, and have, uh, you know, people come in and shoot there, which is super awesome. You know, it's absolutely historic and wonderful. And, you know, I've never been a huge Tyler Perry fan. Not that I don't like the guy. Uh, I just haven't seen a lot of stuff he's done, but anything, everything I've seen him do, I've loved and I'm so happy and I'm so, uh, just thrilled for him that, uh, there's this, studio now that is just it's already starting to take off and you know uh collaborate with uh these new projects that are just uh so exciting to see come out so that's a little stuff that's not really about the movie but uh it's just really cool stuff you know just like so exciting just such an exciting time right now um but back to the movie uh so uh this one you know it it centers around this new squad that uh, Mike has to work with called Ammo uh, and it's this you know young you know run and gun group of kids who you know they think they uh, they think they're pretty slick with their uh, technology and their you know methodology and whatnot. and here's Mike who you know like these guys think of themselves as kind of like a not even a scalpel but more like a laser cutter you know what I mean um <laughs> like they're so far advanced and you have Mike who's just kind of a straight up bone saw he just kind of or more like a hammer like he just comes in and just things start exploding left and right and 30 you know there, there's 12 bodies on the ground three of them are shot in the face you know that's kind of Mike's style um and uh to see these guys kind of you know butt heads and then start to mesh and gel a little bit is just super exciting um, you know, to bring this new kind of flavor to the Bad Boys universe because it's it's just been Mike and Marcus, you know, for, for the first two movies. And now you have this new squad who does things completely differently than, than these two, uh, than our two main guys do. To see these two styles start to, you know, mesh and coalesce is uh, absolutely thrilling from an audience standpoint and uh as a fan of the franchise to see them do some new stuff but you know you, you keep that core of just like you know mike's gonna go and he's gonna punch three dudes in the face and that's how he's gonna get his information or whatever you know like uh it's great to see that you know that old style um you know come in and and you know interact with the new style so it just gives this fun fresh vibrancy to it that is uh just super awesome and i love it um yeah i think that's all i got for now um until i you know really do a deep dive when we talk about the entire franchise as a whole so look forward to that um man i gotta stop threatening you guys with these big franchise episodes i'm digging myself a hole here because i have a whole bunch of franchises i have to talk about now but (laughs) it's like good problems to have good problems to have all right anyway um yeah bad boys for life i think it's the best movie of the franchise um yet and i've heard that they are already in development on number 
four. So that's super exciting. Um, stay tuned. I will uh, try to give you guys updates on Bad Boys 4 as information comes out. If I am where you get your news, which I certainly hope so. <laughs> and um, we'll see what happens as, uh, as uh, this develops. All right. Stick around. We're going to come back and talk about Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Stay tuned. All right, now we have Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, what can I say? I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think it's um, it's top three for me of the DCEU. You know what I mean? If I was going to rank them personally, it would be Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, and then this. Um, actually, this I think I would actually tie this with with Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So, Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, and this. Uh, they're my top three, but also, um, just like, I, you know, I think they're just solid. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I just thoroughly enjoyed this movie, you know. Um, uh, it, it was just great, you know. Like, Harley gets her own movie. We get these new faces to the DCEU some of whom we've seen in other incarnations of the DC um, motion picture verse, uh, i.e. DC TV, um, which had featured Huntress and Canary, um, as well as Black Canary, um, albeit very differently. You know, um, in DC TV, Huntress, you know, Totally different, and then Canary's totally different. I'm not going to get into it too much, but uh, I love, I love, you know, I love what DC TV does. You know, um, I think, you know, especially that that epic crossover that tied into the end of Arrow was um, Crisis on Infinite Earths was just absolutely insane and just broke like it, it acted like there were no rules, which was so great. So everything, and that's and that's the other thing. So. With Crisis on Infinite Earths, just really quick, every single thing that DC has ever done that's been put on TV or in the movies is all connected and all exists and it's all canon. Like, nothing is rebooted. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything exists. So, so, and it's, it's just all in alternate universes, you know? Um, so, in Crisis on Infinite Earths, you have... Brandon Routh, who plays Adam in DC TV, sharing the screen with Brandon Routh, who played Superman in Superman Returns. Then you have three different Flashes, Flash from the original Flash TV show way back in the day, Flash from the TV show now, and Flash from the DCEU, um, all interacting with each other, and it's just like, what is happening? Because this is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, what?! are you talking about for realsies yeah for realsies so everything's canon and i love that like dc tv just took a huge swing and i think they connected you know what i'm saying so that's just awesome let's just get that out there anyway to the actual movie birds of prey um <laughs> so much fun it was just a really fun movie you know what i mean um, Har Margot Robbie is 
as always, fantastic, and especially fantastic as Harley Quinn. I love her performance so much. I adore her Harley um, to death, even though she's, you know, kind of a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what you love about her, you know? And I love the fact that she's no longer... Because Harley Quinn has very often, almost exclusively, been portrayed as just the, you know, a sidekick of the Joker, you know? And not, and she hasn't really been given a lot of chances to have her own identity um, outside of that relationship. And I love that there's the animated show which doesn't really seem to have the Joker in it very much if at all from what I understand I haven't actually gotten a chance to see it yet but that I haven't seen Joker in any of the prom promotional stuff or anything um, but and then this where you know there's just a quick like three second flashback that has the Joker in it and that's it you know what I mean it's her having you know just uh coming out of this relationship that has been such a, you know, it's been the overarching, you know, thing in her life, the most important thing, the only thing in a way, is just her relationship with the Joker, and to strip that away from her, and now she's on her own, is so freaking cool, you know what I mean, like, I, and I love the title, you know, The Emancipation. Um, I, that's just a perfect word for her situation because, you know, she's one of the most fascinating characters of, of the DC universe. You know, she starts out as this hyper-intelligent individual who gets seduced um, by this, you know, sociopathic psycho clown killer guy um, who is obsessed with this dude who runs around dressed like a bat and you know through whatever whatever incarnation you're talking about whatever version of events plays out you know she transforms however she transforms into Harley Quinn and um, you know and that's it she's now the clown princess to the prince, you know, and, and, you know, it, 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 she's kind of a bummer in that aspect because when she's, you know, just kind of kowtowing to the Joker's desires and demands all the time, when she is such a strong character and just a strong person in and of herself. So for her to finally get a solo gig and spread her wings and fly, as it were, is just about as exciting a thing as I've ever seen from a character like this, who, you know, has so often been portrayed in, in some sort of a sidekicky manner. Um, you know, so for her to just be free of that and have to deal with stuff herself uh, was just so refreshing for this particular character. Um, and then the fact that she teams up with three super badass ladies in their own right um, was even more exciting, you know. Um, and to see the way that they dealt they they uh, dealt with um, Huntress and Canary uh, and seeing you know how they how how these new incarnations of these characters um, that I love. 
uh, were were done was just awesome. I mean, I just can't say how <laughs> how, how much I loved this movie. You know, uh, is it perfect? Nah, not really. But I don't know how it could get any better. Honestly, um, I think it was. I, I mean, to me, I think it was perfect. Um, just, just, just from my own personal like tastes and sensibilities. Uh, so I just, I think it's, I think it's absolutely incredible. Now, I've been hearing that it's not doing so well, um, that it didn't do as well as, as hoped. And we are kind of circling around back to something I talked about when I was talking about Charlie's Angels. And, um, you know, because when I did that episode, and, you know, Elizabeth Banks said her stuff about, about why the movie didn't do well, you know, everybody was so quick to jump on her back and be like, yeah, blame misogyny and blame dudes for the, for the failure of your movie. You know, not the fact that it's a, you know, a steaming pile of dog shit, which, as I said, I don't believe that it is. I think it's a great movie. Um, and the same goes true for here, because, like, when that happened, when I did that episode and Elizabeth Banks said her thing, everybody was like, oh, yeah, just wait for Birds of Prey. That's gonna, that's a movie that's led all by females, female-directed, blah, 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 and it's gonna do so well, and you're gonna look like such a bitch, Miss Elizabeth Banks. Well, guess what, guys? Birds of Prey came out, and it's not doing so hot, so why not? You know, I literally have not met anybody who has said that it's a bad movie, that they didn't like it. You know, I've, I haven't seen any reviews that are negative. Um, granted, I don't go searching for those because fuck critics, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> but, um, which I, I understand the irony. Trust me, you know, I'm sitting here talking about reviewing movies and stuff like that. Um, uh, so I guess fuck me too, but anyway, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's a, it's a super well-made movie, it's got a bunch of great performances, um, you know, all the ladies are badass in one way or another, even the kid, um, and, you know, so what's the, what's the, what's the tying, what's the, what's the continuity, if you, what's the thread, what's the through line that these movies that are either pretty good or excellent, like this one is, why aren't they doing so well? The only explanation, literally, is the fact that it's directed by a woman and the main cast are all women and there are no dudes in the movies that are redeemable in any way outside of, like, one or two. You know what I mean? In this one, there's no dudes that are redeemable. Like, every dude is a dick in this movie. Um... Except for one guy. There's one guy, uh, Doc, who uh, Harley, who who uh, rents out an apartment above his restaurant to Harley. Um, but other and you know, same thing with Charlie's Angels. The only dude that was like a good person was the uh, the their yogi dude or whatever that hung out at, at the home base. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so you have female-led movies directed by females. 
um, and no cool guy characters. All the all the male characters are jerks and assholes. Um, honestly, I think that's I think that's what it is. I, I I honestly think that that there are people out there who cannot stand the fact, and I'm talking about dudes who cannot stand the fact that there are no guy characters that they can relate with or, you know, connect to because they all suck. Um, which is fair enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is, it, that's totally fair. Like, if you're just like, man, you know, I would like at least one guy that I can be like, well, that guy's cool. But when you don't have that, you know, I mean, I'm just the same thing would go for for women, you know, that that go to see these movies, you know, these big action movies with dudes, and like every girl in there is there for TNA or just to like be some sort of romantic foil, and has no like, you know, nothing really to contribute her from from a character standpoint. Um, and so ladies, you know, have, ladies have been panning movies like that forever. And, you know, as the, as you should. I think though, when you flip it around to the, to ladies and ladies being leads and women directing and all the dudes being jerks, I honestly don't think that guys can really complain about that. And, you know, yeah, I said fair enough. 30 seconds ago, um, but also not really fair enough, you know what I mean, because guys have been doing it to ladies forever, so it's like, you know, it's turnabout is fair play, for one thing, you know, also, too, just because there aren't any dudes in these particular movies that are redeemable or anything doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to enjoy them, you know, not to make this a huge gender thing, but you know, that's the only thing that really makes sense in terms of, like, why these movies are not succeeding, you know, um, I mean, yeah, you can point to Wonder Woman and be like, oh, well, a woman directed that, and, you know, Gal Gadot's a woman, yeah, but they're in a very male-centric, uh, situation, you know, i.e. World War One. so she's the only, like, female character that's, like, in the whole movie, you know, outside of, like, two people, two ladies who have, like, three lines in the town, um, that, you know, they bust into after she crosses no man's land, and the, uh, secretary lady, there's no other real ladies outside of Themyscira, and we don't go back to Themyscira once we leave it, so, you know, you're wrong if you point to Wonder Woman and compare it to Charlie's Angels or Birds of Prey. Because this is, you know, straight up women leads for all the major roles, and all the guys suck. You know, like character number two in Wonder Woman, Chris Pine. You know, chiseled jaw, Captain America kind of dude. You know what I mean? Um, so, no. You know what I mean? Like, and don't get me wrong, I love that movie, Wonder Woman. It's spectacular. Can't wait for Wonder Woman 84. But you understand what I'm saying, right? Um, it's two completely different animals. They're not relying specifically on girl power, as it were, for Wonder Woman. Whereas these movies, Charlie's Angels, Birds of Prey, 
specifically and explicitly are. And I feel like that's throwing people off or freaking people out. Um, or you're just a straight-up sexist. That's all I can really think of. You know, I don't get it. I just don't get it, because these movies are good. You know, Birds of Prey is such a good fucking movie. You know, it's one of the best things the DCEU has done yet. And it's not doing so hot. You know, I'll leave you to wreck your brain and think about why that's happening. Um, But from where I stand, that's, you know, I think it's pretty obvious. So that bums me out. Um, I mean, especially because Margot produced the, the damn thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you have the lead actor who's also producing, that means that they are invested, like, intrinsically in not just the character, but the universe and the success of the franchise, if it's a franchise kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, when Alan Alda became a consulting producer on MASH, the show just took off, you know? Like, it was it was insane. And anytime you have an actor or, you know, and they become a, an executive producer on a television show that they're, that they're the star of in the first season, you know, like Nathan Fillion with The Rookie, for instance, um, the show just does so much better because you have the star... Um, being way more invested um, in terms of time and energy and commitment than if they were just, you know, number one on the call sheet. So, it just drives me nuts. You know, that's that's pretty much what I'm getting at. Because I thought Birds of Prey is, uh, you know, like I said, you know, like Justice League, Suicide Squad... I mean, all those, like, those movies are, you know, they're, they're good enough for jazz, but they, they're not enough to really make people super excited about stuff, um, and yet those, they, they made their money with those movies, and Birds of Prey, again, for some reason, I don't know what it could possibly be, is not doing so hot, so, you know, I mean, again, just think about it for two seconds, right, Justice League, Everybody thinks that movie is a fucking dumpster fire, um, but it made all of its money back. You know, like if word of mouth is just like, oh my god, Justice League, that movie's so terrible. You know what I mean? If like word of mouth couldn't stop that movie from make getting its money back, what is happening here with Birds of Prey? You know what I'm saying? Because even if you were like, even if you were a person who didn't like Justice League, and you're like, that movie sucked so bad, man your friends probably still went to see it just because, like, well, I want to see what this guy's talking about. Like, why does he hate this movie so much? Um, but with Birds of Prey, it doesn't even need word of mouth to not do so hot because there are people who are just not going to show up for that movie. You know? You can figure out why, I'm sure. Um, I've always thought my audience to be uh, pretty intelligent. So, anyway... That was my two cents. Uh, Birds of Prey, really good movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend you check it out. Uh, <coughs> whether you um, like DC or not, like comic book stuff or not, um, whether you like action movies or not. It's just a good fun time movie. 
uh, with uh, some really powerful badass ladies kicking ass. And that's always a win for me. Alright, stay tuned and we'll be back to talk about the Netflix original movie, Spencer Confidential. Alright, now here we are to talk about Spencer Confidential. Um, if any of you out there know what this movie is before I start talking about it, we're homies. Just so you know. Um, <laughs> so, this is a fun little movie I've been looking forward to since I heard about it. And uh, so, what it is, it's the new Peter Berg movie, obviously starring Mark Wahlberg. I mean, they've been making um, literally, Mark Wahlberg's been in every movie that um, Peter Berg has done since Lone Survivor, which is almost a decade now. Um, so, uh, when the day comes when Peter Berg finally is like, you know what, Mark? I don't think we're going to do this one together. I'm going to probably lose my shit a little bit because it's like Pete and Mark. You know, it's the Wahlbergs. The Wahl-Bergs. Um, and uh, and I love their collaborations together, and this is no exception. Um, so we got Peter Berg. We got Mark Wahlberg. We got Winston Duke of Us and Black Panther fame. We've got Alan Arkin, who's just a legend. We've got Eliza Schlesinger. Schlesinger? Schlesinger? The comedian. Um, and Bokeem Woodbine. Great cast. Just a great cast. Uh, so, the uh, basic idea of this movie is Mark Wahlberg's character, Spencer, um, was a Boston co-op. And uh, he was investigating corruption and things of that nature, and uh, ended up getting himself thrown in jail for some stuff. And uh, he gets out, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna peace out. I'm gonna head to Arizona. I'm gonna be a truck driver, drive big rigs, and uh, just hang out." So um, he's like, "You know, I got my plan," and yada yada yada. He gets out of jail, and this uh, cop that he was beefing with before he went inside turns up dead. And another cop, who was his homie, uh, gets uh, blamed for it, and Spencer's like, well, that's a bunch of bull. Um, That dude was, like, the most honorable guy on the force. There's no way that he would be dirty. And this guy was a complete freaking scumbag. So what the hell's going on here, guy? And he decides to uh, look into it. And thus, Southie Noir. We have a Southie Noir film. Um, <laughs> it's a new toy, uh, term I've coined, Southie Noir. Because uh, um, I'm, I'm sure there's been a noir film shot in Boston before. But I can't for the life of me think of what it was. Um, or if one even exists, because when you think of noir, you usually think of, like, New York, maybe L.A. in the 50s, um, or you're thinking about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang if you're talking about the L.A. noir stuff, um, or literally L.A. noir, the video game, <laughs> um, but this, we have, we, I, I believe this would be the first Southie noir, and, um, it's, I think, um, an instant classic, you know, uh, totally hilarious, Great bone-crunching fight scenes, fun, you know, this, like, just interesting investigation and and stuff like that. 
It's just a straight-up, hard-hitting, classic, funny noir. And I love that stuff. You know, like, if you like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you'll probably like Spencer Confidential. You know what I mean? If you don't, you probably just don't like one of the cast. You know what I mean? Um, Because this, this is just such a lovely little movie. And one of the really interesting things is Peter Berg dropped his classic Peter Berg style um, that he uh, has employed for, like I said, almost a decade now. And that is, you know, lots of handheld, plenty of zoom, um, you know, a lot of pan and tilt with the handheld stuff. Um, you know, keeping it that really raw, gritty, kind of, you know, on-the-move documentary type feel to it um and he went for a more a much more classical sort of visualistic style which i was just like i was it was a little bit jarring at first because you're just like whoa pete where's the handheld buddy um but you know it takes a second but then you're like "Ooh, nice dolly shot bro that was sick um and (laughs) you know and, and stuff like that and you're like "Ooh, wow pete you 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 sprung for the crane dog awesome (laughs) stuff like that you know um but just a lot of fun this movie you know what i mean mark Wahlberg is cheeky and hilarious um and works great as the you know the uh typical you know noir punching bag lead um you know who just things just don't go his way ever almost um but you know boy does his fist pack a wallop and uh, Winston Duke is just so awesome as Hawk. Um, this, you know, reformed criminal turned MMA fighter who, uh, you know, wants to do good in the world. Alan Arkin, I mean, if Alan Arkin's not good in something, it might be a sign of the apocalypse. So Alan Arkin was great, as per um, Bokeem Woodbine... Um, you know, I've seen this guy in so many things since I was a kid, and uh, it was great to see him and Mark Wahlberg together because one of Mark's first, if not his very first big action movie lead, was in a movie with Bokeem called called The Big Hit, which I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember really enjoying that movie. Um, it's just as over-the-top, you know, kind of ridiculous at times you know, action movie that was just like, screw it, let's just do that, let's just have fun with it, you know what I mean, um, which I can imagine that the set would is, you know, um, just like, kind of a fun place to be, just like, screw it, let's just, let's just do it, who cares, you know what I mean, let's just do it, um, because, I mean, that's the vibe you get from the movie, because it's just so much over-the-top stuff in, in the big hit, you know, it's just like, really you did that okay i kind of like it <laughs> but um this i lo- i love this movie this movie uh, i just watched it last night so it's really fresh in my mind you know um i just love the 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 fight sequences for one thing are just super stand out to me you know um they're so good i mean with noir you usually don't get this level of action um, and usually the action is more pointed towards like gunplay, typically. Um, but this one, it's a straight up brawler film, you know, and I love that so much. 
because it kind of harkens you back um, and uh, makes you think about certain things, you know, like in terms of like gang warfare or criminals and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, you'd be bopping down the street and, you know, maybe you take a wrong turn or whatever and you end up in a place where you are not supposed to be and you're going to get in a fight. And, you know, it used to be that you just, you scrapped, you threw down, and you got in a little fist fight. And whoever won, won, and whoever lost, they walked away, you know, bruised and bloody, but not, you know, totally fucked up. And, but nowadays it's different, you know, like, like, uh, there's a great line from End of Watch, um, where, uh, because there's a scene where this, this guy, he's drunk and he's belligerent, and he, uh, starts crossing a line with Officer Zavala, and Zavala takes off his badge, takes off his gun, and says, all right, we're going to throw down, we're going to brawl, and I'm going to whoop your ass. And, you know, he's talking, and then the the drunk belligerent guy, he's talking with his friends after he's gotten out of jail um, at a little barbecue, and, um, you know, and one of the guys is like, hey, man, I heard you got your ass whooped by some cop, and this guy's, hey, shut your mouth youngin all right because what's gangster is squabbling like you know as long as you squabble and throw down that's gangster doesn't matter if you win lose draw you squabble and get down and and that is just like you're just like why do you have to have guns then why can't you just do the squabble and throw down and let that be how you you know um decide things as opposed to you know shooting up a whole neighborhood one guy's opinion uh, but that's what I love about this movie Spencer Confidential you know is like yeah the dude could just pick up a gun and shoot everybody in the face you know but that's not going to get him where he wants to go um, and that's not what he wants to do and how he wants to do it like he'd much rather to quote <laughs> to quote the guy you know squabble and get down and uh, and do it like that as opposed to you know so um it's just a fun brawler Southie noir movie you know um the only thing i wish is that they had hawk a little bit more because i love this character of hawk but there's definitely sequel potential here so i'm thinking uh that's what's going to go down is that you know maybe the next movie can be called hawk and spencer or something like that um, but yeah, it's a great movie. Um, if you have Netflix, I super recommend going and checking it out. Um, as long as you are of the requisite age, uh, required <laughs> as it is rated R. Um, yeah, just a lot of fun. This movie. Um, I really hope they, they do get to make, um, another one. Cause, uh, I would just love to live in this Southie noir world some more, you know what I mean, um, Southie Noir, <laughs> oh man, yeah, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, all right, that's gonna do it for part one of this two-part Jim Goes to the Movies extravaganza, thank you so much for listening, um, I appreciate you guys so much, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, my, my analytics, my numbers, if you will, and I'm just like, that's how many listens I've got, this is what my estimated audience is, oh my god, I love you guys, 
so, so, so much. I love you all so much. Um, you know, from my core audience to if you're just like swiping through and you just happen to stumble upon me, thank you so much for listening, especially, you know, if you checked out some of my longer episodes and actually listened to the whole things, you know, you guys are troopers and uh, I appreciate you so much. So thank you, you know. I know I've been really, really gushy the the past probably five or ten episodes, but I can't help it. You know, you guys make it possible for me to do this legitimately and I I just I can't tell you how much I appreciate that you know so uh, so yeah that'll do it for part one um, tune back in for part two uh, which is going to be really exciting um, thank you again so much for listening please check out our morning manga me podcast with Heath's with Heast Hoth Labombard host Heath Labombard gotta write that time um, <laughs> and check out our other social media content at Mangami Players. And like I said, from our main page on Instagram, you should be able to see um, a couple of new pages that we've made, um, such as What for Food, which will be a uh, food-based uh, programming. <laughs> huh. What for food? I wonder what that's going to be about, Jim. Oh, it's going to be about aliens and, you know, government conspiracies. <laughs> we should do that, Heath. If you're listening, we should do that just to screw with people. That would be funny as hell. But anyway, yeah, check that stuff out. Um, even though we haven't uh, put anything out on these new uh, pages yet, you want to get the follow-in early um, so that once we do start putting stuff out, you're right there with us and not missing a single thing because... I'm so excited about this kind of expansion that's going to happen, and I'm just super excited to keep making awesome, dope content for you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. Check out Heath's podcast, Morning Manga Me. Check out our social media content. We got the YouTube. We got the Instagram. We got all that good stuff. Check it out. It's tight. Thank you so much for stopping by for a nightcap. You have yourself a lovely evening, day, morning night. Good night. The Nightcap with Jim podcast is a Mungamy production hosted by James Smith, produced by Heath LaBombard and James Smith. For more Mungamy content, visit Mungamy players all across the social medias.